notice that he and I were talking last night. He still, his bow hand, his release hand, was the one he injured. He's really excited it's better. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because you got the bow on. Amen. That's spiritual. Brother Bell, great to have uh, Anchor with us this morning. I appreciate you guys coming. Absolutely. How many of you like getting out of school like this? Yeah, this will of God? Amen. I figured there was a very spiritual motive on the student's part. Amen. Grab your Bible this morning. You'll be able to find our text today. It's Genesis chapter 1. I think you can find that. Let's stand together as soon as you find that difficult place in your Bible. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1. and I'm going to open a can of worms this morning. And I don't know that I'll be able to close it. So hopefully the grave can fix it when I'm done preaching this morning. But I came across something a few months ago, preacher, in my Bible study, and I've never heard anybody ever preach on this. Oh, this is scary. And uh, Yes, sir. And uh, uh, I'm going to try it out on you all this morning. No, it's something very encouraging and something very enlightening. The... um, All of us wouldn't be in a meeting like this. We wouldn't be in a place like this, excited about a meeting like this, if we weren't old-fashioned, Bible-believing fundamentalists. Can I get an amen there? I don't want to be anything but an old-fashioned fundamentalist. That's my heritage. That's a heritage I want to pass down to the next generation. But just because of that doesn't mean we can't think. Y'all okay? Sometimes when we think, and I don't want you to take that as a slap, because we embrace the old-time religion, and we should, and I think it's the right position to embrace, sometimes we let the previous generation do all the thinking. And uh, if we're going to pass something on that's credible to the next generation, this generation's got to think. We got to know why we believe what we believe, and it can't just be well. I was told this. Anchor Baptist young people, your friends don't want to know what Doctor Bell believes. They want to know what you believe. There you go. They don't want to know Lighthouse what Pastor Manning believes. They want to know what you believe. Yep, sir. How often has someone asked you what does your church believe? And I never answer that question. Yeah. I said I don't know what church believes. But I can tell you what I believe. Hey, listen. We're not Catholics. Amen. You know, we don't have a, a man between us and the Lord. And faith that is transferable has to be faith that is real. Had to work for me if I'm going to be able to give it to you. Y'all with me this morning? Look at verse number 26. I'll start reading there this morning. And God said, Let us make man in our image. I'm not going to preach about this this morning. But it is important that we know whose image we were made in. That's right. It is. The reason the abortion crowd believes it's okay to kill a baby as long as it hasn't yet come out of its mother's womb is because they don't know what image that baby was made in. That baby, we could argue all day long, all the science is on the side of life. That baby's a living, breathing human being. It's got a heartbeat when they're in the womb. Brother Bob State is trying to lead the nation in this on that heartbeat abortion bill. Can't abort a baby if there's a heartbeat. Well, that ruins a whole abortion debate because they've been killing people and cutting that heartbeat off for years. But listen real close to this this morning. I don't care how messed up you are. You were made the image of God. You're somebody. 
And I'm not talking about pumping you up and, you know, self-help and self-worth and all that stuff. I'm just saying you were made in the image of God. Everybody needs to be treated with respect because of whose image they were made in. Everybody needs to treat themselves with respect. That's good. Because of whose image they were made in. Brother Bell, I got a very serious is this being recorded, preacher, like out on the internet? Uh, this, yes, it is. The, uh, I'll say this carefully then this morning, but I have an appointment this afternoon with someone that uh, is in a very serious place in their life right now. And uh, they've been avoiding me because they know i got to deal with something. It, it's not going to be easy. But I sent them a text yesterday, Brother Gray, and said, we got to meet and I'm not putting up with the silence any longer. And uh, they, they've been avoiding me for almost a month, but they responded very graciously yesterday. And the reason they responded graciously is because I reached out graciously. I said this, you've made, you've made a bad decision. I said, failure is an event. It's never a person. Some of you have heard me preach that before. Nobody's a failure. Failure's an event. It's never a person. And I said, I love you too much and value you too much to give up on you or to let you give up on yourself. And I know it was that last phrase, Brother Bob, that caused him to respond to me. I want to speak to your heart this morning, not just your head, but i got to have your head for a few minutes so your heart can grasp this. Look, if you will, at the next statement. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, so God created man in His own image. And the image of God created He Him. Male and female created He them. Uh, we're going to read one more verse, but before we do, can I ask you, how many can see here we're at the dawn of creation? Yes, sir. We're like in the first chapter of God's creative work. Would we all agree with that? Yes, sir. We're in the beginning here. Amen? Would you read with me the next four words? Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 28. Together, and God blessed them. You may be seated this morning. And God blessed them. There is a theological concept that's been thrown around for years. The human race in our text this morning is in its infancy. I mean, we are in like the first couple of sentences of chapter 1. And I don't just mean the Bible. I mean the first few sentences of chapter 1 of the history of all the human race. It's very important that you catch this. If we were to go to chapter 3, and I'm going to give you a little history this morning so you understand the background of this phraseology. But in Genesis chapter 3, we have the, what's the great event? Anybody remember the great event of Genesis 3? Yes, sir. It's the fall of man. Absolutely. It's when Eve takes of that forbidden fruit and Adam, the, uh, uh, though not deceived, also takes of that fruit and the human race is plunged into the condition of you and I being born fallen creatures. We call Genesis chapter 3 the chapter where we discover original sin. Not just original sin and then it was the first sin that man committed, but it's where my sin and your sin originated. We're not just sinners by choice. We are sinners by birth. Do I get an amen there? Right. Yes, sir. But here's what I want you to see this morning. 
Dr. Bell, we have original sin in Genesis chapter 3. But we have original blessing in Genesis chapter 1. That's good. He says, I don't get this, preacher. Oh, don't miss this. The sequence, before there was original sin, there was original blessing. If you get the sequence wrong, I mean, uh, the uh, your entire, uh, and I'll use a big word, the algorithms are all off. Most of us view God from Genesis 3. We don't view God from Genesis chapter 1. So what do you mean, preacher? If I don't live right, God won't bless me. Now, God doesn't bless disobedience. I'll deal with that in a moment. But I'm, I'm a little ahead of myself. Before you jump there, hear this. Long before man was a sinner, man was blessed. Mm. See, when I wandered into this arena, Brother Gray, blessing first and sinner second, I uncovered a reality I'd never thought about before. God has a heart for you more than you can even comprehend. God, hey, listen to me. God not only loves you, I know this is hard to imagine, He actually likes you. (laughs) He loves you enough that He sent His only begotten Son to die for your sin and listen, to pay for your eternal, uh, the uh, citizenship one day in heaven and to pay for your redemption, to pay for your sin. But listen, He not only loves you enough to die for you, He likes you enough that He wants to spend eternity with you. See, some of you know God loves you, but you don't believe God likes you. And it's because you live in original sin, not an original blessing. Now let me get let me get this plain here. God doesn't bless disobedience. He don't bless greed. He doesn't bless pride. He doesn't bless laziness. He doesn't bless selfishness. And on and on the list could go. But you and I have to position ourselves for blessings. Have you ever thought about the verse in Genesis chapter, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 4, that says, who give them, it says, who are past feeling, and then the Bible says they give themselves over to. It talks about lasciviousness. It talks about greediness. You know what that verse is really teaching? If you don't feel We've often taught that, Brother Matt, that that verse is talking about, you know, a Christian getting calloused apart. That's not even what it's talking about, sir. The theme, Brother Gray hit on it last night, much of the theme of Ephesians is how much God loves you. I mean, what about that great passage in chapter 3 when it says that you and I are supposed to try to grasp the love of God, its breadth, its height, its depth. And the Bible says that God's love is so deep, so wide, so high, so amazing that it is past finding out. It's so amazing. You'll never exhaust it. It's so great. It's in that context that the Bible says who being past feeling. Yes, sir. You'll give yourselves over to. You know what that verse is teaching, preacher? If you don't think God loves you, if you don't feel like God loves you, 
You know what you'll do? You'll love yourself. I have a sermon, Brother Bell, I preached years ago entitled, If You Don't Feel It, You'll Steal It. You know why people are licentious? You know why people are lustful? You know why people are selfish? Because they are trying to make up for the fact they don't feel like God loves them, so they're going to love themselves. I have a right to this. You only think that because you don't know how much God loves you. You ever get overwhelmed by the love of God and you won't be talking about what you deserve, you'll be saying, I don't deserve this. I don't know why He loves me so much. I don't know. I'm still dumbfounded. Hey, listen, you talk about a deal of the century. God would trade His perfect sinless only begotten Son for us? I mean, God got the bad end of that deal. And yet he'd do it again if he had to. Because he not only loves you and I, he likes you and I. This is where this idea of blessing... Listen, let me give you just a little bit of, of the uh, history before we get too practical this morning. Sometimes you've got to get uh, theological before you get practical because yes, you won't know why you're doing what you're doing. Yes, sir. That's right. In the second century, a church father by the name of Arrhenius was a key player in resisting the heresy... Listen, it was soon going to become the Roman Catholic theology. Mm-hmm. Arrhenius was the bishop of Lyons, France, or the pastor of the church in Lyons, France. He was originally from Smyrna, which was an Asia Minor. One of the seven churches that is written to in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3. The bishop of Smyrna was a man by the name of Polycarp. Yes, sir. We're talking about Arrhenius. He was trained under, pastored by Polycarp. Polycarp was known as the 12th martyr of the church. He was dragged into a Roman Colosseum, Polycarp was, told to recant his faith and listen to what he said. 86 years have I served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my King and my Savior? And he was butchered. For the cause of Jesus Christ. All he had to do was recant his faith. He said, and if I can paraphrase, he said, Lord's been too good to me. That's right. I can't yes, turn sir. back on him now. Yes, sir. Hey. He's done me no wrong. He said, How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Well, let me give you the rest of the story. Polycarp's a famous figure. But his impact on Arrhenius and who impacted him is very significant in church history. Polycarp discipled Arrhenius, invested in him. He would have been his preacher boy. Guess who discipled Polycarp? Most historians tell us it was John the Beloved. John that would be exiled on Patmos was Polycarp's pastor and the one who discipled him. How would you like to be discipled by John the Beloved? So Arrhenius wasn't just discipled by anybody. He was discipled by the man who was discipled by John the Beloved who leaned on Jesus' breast. Hey, listen. I don't know about you. This is early church history I want to be connected to. He's a third generation follower of Jesus Christ. 
I don't know if that historical context matters to you, but it does to me because the man who coined the phraseology original sin was Arrhenius. Now, if we're going back that far in the church's history, we're awful close to the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God this is all pre-Catholicism. Original sin describes you and me. Sin originated in Genesis 3. And you and I became sinners not only by choice, we became sinners by birth. We have a fallen, sinful nature. It's called original sin. Yes, sir. Now, I've said all that because I want you to remember what I'm about to say. Before man ever sinned, God had already blessed him. So we have original sin over here, but oh, thank God, Brother Bob, we got original blessing over here. Amen. Can I just zero in on that for a few minutes? I'm trying to get out of the way. I'm skipping a bunch of this, trying to lay a quick foundation so you'll grab this. Let me make three statements this morning. Statement number one, I call the direct delivery or what we can trace. The direct delivery or what we can trace. Look at it one more time. Verse number 26, Genesis chapter 1. Say it with me out loud together again those first four words. And God blessed them. Please hear me. There's no debate this morning about original sin. Every one of us know we're a sinner by birth and by choice. Yes, sir. Hey, I raised three kids, Brother Bell. There ain't no debate about we're born sinners. <laughs> Didn't have to teach any of them how to sin. They figured it out when they were still innocent. You talk about the grace of God. When babies die, they don't go to hell or purgatory. They go to heaven. But even while they're in innocence, they're wicked as the devil. <laughs> Have you ever noticed these little old cute little adorable things? I think they're demon-possessed. I mean, mama's almost got mono. She's so exhausted. She slapped her out. And that little rascal don't care if it's one in the morning, if it's three in the morning. Bless God, when his diaper's wet and his belly's hungry, everybody's going to stop living until he gets his knees met. They don't get any more selfish than a baby. Everybody says, oh, they're so cute. I think they're the cute little devils is what they are. We're going to dedicate a bunch of them Sunday to our church. It's Baby Dedication Sunday. And I'm going to say a bunch of nice stuff about them. And I'll be lying about most of it. <laughs> I always ask a young couple, especially when they have their first kid, are you sleeping? Yeah. And usually the fellow says he is and the woman's not. Amen. Yeah. Hey, hey, both of you made it, sir. You need to do a little bit of helping too. Well, I didn't get any amens there at all. <laughs> But I want to remind you this morning, my friend. Children need to know that they are blessed first and sinners second. So I don't know why this is important. All kinds of identity issues emanate good and bad. See, I don't doubt at all my sinful nature and if you got any conscience, you don't doubt yours either. You know you're a real good one. Yeah. Nobody had to teach you how to be bad, did they? But I want to plead with you this morning and understand before you were ever a sinner, yeah. 
you were blessed. Hey, listen to me. Sin is secondary. Blessing is primary. I, I don't get where you're going, Brother Jenkins. Why are you making such a big deal about original blessing? We've all heard of the man by the name of Aristotle. You ever heard that name? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Well, there was a line of thinking called Aristilian philosophy. Here's what the Aristilian philosophy is. Aristotle's the one who coined this. It's called a first principle. It's a basic assumption. It's a foundational truth. Here's what Aristotle said. A first principle is the first basis from which a thing is known. Yes. So I want you to know first and foremost this morning, before you were a sinner, you were blessed. Before man was a sinner, man was blessed. Let me double back. I'm hurrying. The sequence, Genesis 1 verse 26, and God blessed them. We have to go all the way over to Genesis chapter 3 before we see man become a sinner. Now, I'm trying to get you to see something. This is so spiritually significant. You know what God's most ancient instinct is? It's blessing. Amen. It's His most ancient instinct. Our earliest memory as a human race was not that we were sinners but that we were blessed we were blessed I don't agree with Alfred Adler in a lot of areas he was a famous psychiatrist but his signature move with new clients was something he called quintessential questioning I don't agree with him on a lot of things but I think he was onto something here Here's how he would greet a new client, Brother Bob. First question he would ask him is, I want you to try to tell me what is your earliest memory. He called that a quintessential question. What is your earliest memory? No matter how the patient replied, as soon as they would tell him what they thought was their earliest memory, afterwards say, and so life is I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff he had a very secular view on a lot of things a very unchristian view on a lot of things so I'm not advocating you start reading after Adler but there was some real some real powerful truth to the way he would approach a client brother Matt what's your earliest memory and whatever brother Matt would say He'd say, so is life. In other words, how you see yourself originally has so much to do with what you live out and become for the remainder of your life. How often have we said, 
And I say it, I do it all the time. Brother Bob preached a profound message last night. I agree with everything he said. Powerful. Matter of fact, don't be listening to my sermon. Uh, the uh, watching on video at our church anytime soon. Brother Bob, that's going to get preached to you. Amen. <laughs> I'll change it enough. No one knows his. No, no, no. no. I, I'll give Brother Bob credit. That was great last night. We are sinners. We do need to see our depravity. The reason a lot of people aren't grateful enough is because they don't know how far the Lord had to reach down to get them. Yes, sir. No debate about that whatsoever. Yes, sir. But can I say to all of my redeemed friends tonight, this morning, something? We always refer to ourselves with the mat as sinners saved by grace. And we often say this, I'm just. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you are not just a sinner saved by grace. You are the object of God's greatest affection and greatest effort. Long before we were sinners, we were blessed. Our original standing is not sinners. Our original standing is blessed. What I said we can trace. See, I believe if Adler could talk to our father, Adam, and said, Adam, what's your earliest memory? I don't think Adam would say that me and Eve sinned. You know, I think Adam would say that we were blessed. That we were blessed. You say, where's this going, Brother Jenkins? If my first memory is that God blessed me, then blessing sets a tone. Blessing sets a table. A blessing establishes the emotional baseline. And listen, the spiritual trend line of Adam's entire experience, listen, it was a direct delivery. The, uh, it's what you and I can trace this morning. Yes, sin entered into the equation. Yes, dysfunction. Yes, death. Yes, darkness. And as a result, pain and problems and perils all came into play because of our imperfection. But listen, my friend, None of that changes the fact this morning that God created you and I in His image Amen. and then God blessed us. Amen. That's right. See, you're not looking just at a sinner saved by grace this morning. You're looking at a blessed man this morning. God's been good to you and to me. I, I, I don't have time to preach it. It would be another sermon if I even got started. But if you don't know who you are and what you are, you can't praise God for who He is and what He is. That makes sense. Can I ask the question? Do you ever worship God? Yes, sir. I'm not talking about you participating in the congregational singing. I'm not saying you sing in the choir. I mean, do you ever worship God? God help us. You ever raise your hands? Yes, sir. You're all commanded to do that. Mm -hmm. He said he would that men everywhere would raise holy hands. Now, if you're living like a junkyard dog, don't raise your hands. Because they're dirty. Yep. If you're trying to live for God, Amen. it's okay Amen. for you to raise your hand. Amen. You don't got to be a, a former drug addict to do that. Correct. That's right. That's right. Amen. 18 nature. 
Is the choir singing every once in a while at church and you just get a case of the can't help it? It's a big old crocodile tear short coming out of your cheeks. Your hands bump because you can't believe how good the Lord's been to you. You just want to bless the Lord. Hey, you know what bless the Lord means? It means you give back to God what He's given you. He blessed you, so you That's bless Him. Amen. Yes, sir. When's the last time you blessed the Lord? Wouldn't it be awesome when we yes, leave church on Sunday morning, preacher, that God said, Well, I sure enjoyed that. Yeah, yes. Man, they blessed me today. Yes, sir. I was in a youth meeting this summer, Brother Bob, and I the youth choir was singing, and boy, they, they got to praising God and exalt the Lord. I was with our young people at this meeting, and I looked down the road. And about 15, 20 of our teenagers had crocodile tears coming out of their cheeks and their hands out of the air. Praise God. I said, boy, you don't see this very often, do you? This was in a youth meeting. Yes, sir. And nobody was giving a flip what anybody else was thinking. They was all worshiping. There you go. I said, our youth group won't be the same when we get back home. We didn't just go to the altar and make a bunch of promises to God. Some people started thanking God. Some people got overwhelmed with how good the Lord has been to them. Hey, listen. You were made to worship. Yes, sir. Most of the dark, deviant, vile, filthy things people get involved in is they are trying to recreate that experience, that emotional connection that only comes from worship. And since so many people hardly ever worship, they're looking in all the wrong places for that emotional experience. Yep. Yes, sir. You were made to be very emotional. Yeah. We're emotional beings. Yes, we are. Right. Hey, don't get upset at me. But the Bible says in Hebrews that we are to offer unto God yes, sir. a sacrifice yes, sir. of praise. Yes, sir. Why is praise called a sacrifice? You understand in the Old Testament temple, the sacrifice was the burning of flesh, the consuming of flesh. You know what worship is? It's a consuming of flesh. Hey, if you've never left church and said to your parents or said to your spouse, I, I embarrassed myself in church today. When Brother Bell was preaching, I, I did not plan to do it, Brother Bob. It was not in my predetermined thoughts today, but it just couldn't help. I mean, he blessed my heart so much. I, I just had to stand up and start praising God and shout. I mean, I where I was. It wasn't my nature. It isn't my way I'm white. I embarrassed the fire out of myself. I wasn't planning on doing that in church. You know what you actually did? You worship God that way. Because your flesh got embarrassed. Yeah. People who don't worship don't want their flesh embarrassed. You're living in Genesis 3. You ought to be living in Genesis chapter 1. Amen. You may be a sinner saved by grace, but long before you was a sinner, you was blessed. I said it's what we can trace. Let me go further. It's the direct delivery. God is a blesser. That's what we trace. But let me say, let's talk for a minute about the deepest desire 
and that's what we chase. Stick with me for a minute. Blessing is humanity's earliest memory. Brother Bell, because it's humanity's earliest memory, it's humanity's deepest longing. Let me say that again. Blessing is our earliest memory. And because it's our earliest memory, it's also our deepest longing. Every last one of us want to be blessed. So oh, I don't. You're crazy. You're not a bed bug. Yeah. All of us want to be blessed. And there ain't room to want to be blessed. God's the one that did the blessing. That's right. Hey, listen. There is a deep desire within each of us to be blessed, to celebrate for who we are. To be accepted for who we are not. To be loved with no agenda. To be loved with no strings attached. To be loved with no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Listen, uh, every one of us wants to be loved. Every one of us wants to be valued. Every one of us wants someone to want us around. You know what all that is? That's that longing to be blessed. This is not based on anything you've done or not done. Do you know that your love is as goofy as you are? God likes you just like you are. I don't mean in your sinful state. I mean in your blessed state. You say, well, preacher, I look in the mirror and I I don't like what I see, but God does. You say, preacher, uh, uh, I gain weight. I mean, I walk past food and I gain weight. I don't like myself. Well, God likes you. Say, I don't like the color of my hair. God does. I don't like my personality. God does. Now, we all got some weird problems because of sin and because of people that have messed with us. That's another issue. That's the evidence of the curse. But I'm telling you this morning... God made you as goofy and as weird as you are and He loves every bit of you. That's why the Bible says they that compare themselves among themselves. Phil Manning and John Jenkins are as different as two people ever could be. Yeah, I love this man like he's my own flesh and blood brother. Love him to death. I'd fight for him. He's not just my friend, he's my dear friend. We don't get to ever see each other. We're so busy. We're going to shout, praise the Lord forever in heaven, preacher. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. God likes you as weird as you are. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't like my nose. He made it that way. I, I don't like, hey, listen. I don't like your sin, and I don't like mine either. But I like you. Yeah. <laughs> You know, most of the people you don't like, it's because you've never sat down and talked to them. You'll find out they are really complicated, dysfunctional, and really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) You know why racism is so wicked? Yeah, sir. Because it's deciding about somebody before you know somebody. Yes, that's right. Man, I don't care if your skin's brown, red, black. You're the way God made you. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm the way God made me. Got a big nose. Got diminishing hair. <laughs> so you're going to get a rug up here? No. I like the way God made me. <laughs> I love the fact my wife loves me, even though I am not the man I used to be. <laughs> I'm deteriorating. She still loves me. Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen to me. You were made in the image of God. Paul says that you are his workmanship. If you don't like you, you must not like the one who made you. You've been reading too many magazines comparing yourselves to too many other people. There are so many talented and accomplished people. So gifted, so successful, so beautiful. And they're some of the most insecure, lonely people on the planet. See, if you're a perfectionist, if that's your personality trait, do you know that of all the personality traits, that's the most messed up one? (laughs) There's four basic personality types. There's a get-it-done person. There's the get-over person. There's the get-along person. And there's the get-it-right person. They get it done, people. They walk in a room and say, I ought to be in charge. Because I'm the one right here who's got to live sense. If you tell them you're full of yourself, they say, if you were smart as me, you'd be full of yourself too. <laughs> you can't do them. If you criticize them for being a dictator, they say, well, it's got somebody's around this mess around here. They're just a get it done person. Get out of their way, they're going to get it done. Now, the get over person, they laugh about everything. They're the people that are way up here one day and way down here the next day. Yeah. And they're the best friend you ever had and are constantly bipolar, manic, depressed, and suicidal. <laughs> they're the life of the party, man. They like about everything. Boy, we love having them around, don't we? Then there's get along people. They're the biggest group of people. They just want to get along. By the way, all the other three personality types take advantage of that person. Every time Brother Bell there's a church split, a bunch of innocent people get caught in the middle. You know, you have to get along people. They just don't want anybody mad. They don't want everybody to get along. <laughs> but then there's them get it right people. So why are you picking on me preacher? Because I don't want them to. We are so messed up. Us perfectionists, you know what happened? Everything we do has got to be perfect because we get our identity from it. Yes, sir. Right. My name's on it, so it's got to be perfect because I can't have anybody thinking less of me. Because I already don't think high enough of myself. That is correct. Mm. So I drive everybody else nuts. (laughs) See, if you're you're a get it right person, here's how you show people you love them. Brother Bell, who told you that time, man? (laughs) (laughs) Has anyone ever taught you how to tie? They think that's love. I just don't want you looking like an idiot. (laughs) Try to help. You know, the bell's thinking, I don't want this kind of help. <laughs> I already felt bad enough, and now you're telling me I'm not a complete loser. Hey, listen. People who are perfectionists actually show their love by criticizing. Huh. Yeah. But the rest of us aren't getting the love. <laughs> See, if you're a perfectionist, the reason you attach your name to everything you do is because... Somebody deprives you of something. Yeah. Mm. 
you weren't told you were loved enough. You weren't valued enough for who you are, but only valued for what you do. And I plead with every single parent and teacher and leader in this room, stop connecting your love to people or the, 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 uh, the uh, transmission of that love to performance. Yeah. You're messing yeah, people good. up. Yeah. Good. I'll love you if. You'll straighten up. You'll start. We'll, we'll get closer to each other. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't demand you straighten up? Yeah, he loved you. He loved you so you'd straighten up. That's an entirely different approach. Yes, sir. We love him because he was. Our love is a reaction. Yes, sir. And see, I want people that are all messed up and dysfunctional. They feel like in all their dysfunction and all their problems, John Jenkins loves them just like they are. See, the Bible says is the finding pot is the silver and the furnace is the yes, gold. The finding pot and the furnace are heat. Yes, and they're using the silver and the gold refining process to refine the gold, to refine the silver, to get rid of the imperfections. Is the finding pot is the silver and the furnace of the gold. So is a man to be praised. You know how you straighten up people that are messed up? You look every once in a while on the mat on the rare occasions they do one thing right and make a big deal about it. You ladies, I know this is harsh to swallow, but you'll never change your husband by nagging him. You just make him worse. Yes, sir. Tell me he won't straighten up, preacher throws his clothes everywhere and does won't you quit washing? That's how you fix that problem. <laughs> then you go look for clothes and then they say go clean the thing in the house. You'll start realizing there's a laundry basket. And it's not the end of your bed. It's not the clothes, you know, at the end of the bed. Hey, listen. See, I can't get him straightened up, preacher. The one time every decade he does something right. Stop and say, what did you say? Oh. You don't know how much that means to me. You are such a wonderful husband. And he's thinking, what I do? <laughs> and you know what's going to happen the next time he's thinking about that? He's going to say, hey, I like that getting told I was wonderful a whole lot more than being told I was stupid. <laughs> and he's going to start acting good because you treated him good even when he didn't deserve it. So I don't know how to get my kid to change. Well, I'll tell you how not to get him to change. Quit, quit nagging him all the time about what you're doing wrong. The one time they do something right, I mean, stop and have a party, man. Make a big deal. Put a spotlight on it. Man, you are such a good kid. And I'll tell you what, you amaze me. You know that kid's a good kid? Me? You gonna remember how felt good it felt to be bragged on. That will reproduce a desire in him to want to get bragged on again. See, blessing begets blessing. We're not separated from the world. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen. The doctrine of separation is not from, it's unto. Correct. I'm not separated from the world just to be separated from the world. That is correct. I'm separated from that which harms or endangers that which I love and value the most. Amen. And they're not a lady in this room who's going to feel inappropriate around me. I ain't flirting with none of y'all. You might be beautiful, you might be wonderful, but I got me a girlfriend and she lives in Clayton, North Carolina. Amen. 
I'm not going to be inappropriate around other ladies because I'm separated unto Debbie That's Jenkins. It. That's yep. it. That's not just separated from. Some of you are just separated from right now. And you're going, you ain't going to have no conviction five, ten years from now. Right. Because you don't know why you're doing it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen. I don't deserve his blessings, but I sure do appreciate his blessings. Yeah. And knowing I'm blessed, Brother Matt, sure does motivate the fire out of me to keep being blessed. Amen. See, what happens when you don't live from a place of original blessing? Let me give you an amazing story. You've studied it, preached it, taught it. But let me add a little, little bit of twist to it. Remember the story of Esau and Jacob? Mm-hmm. Jacob is a conniver. Jacob's a trickster. His name literally means a supplanter. That's Old Testament for jerk. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a jerk. Who'd want a brother like Jacob? He'll nail you in the back every chance he gets. Well, keep your eyes open around Jacob because he's going to take advantage of you any chance he can. I don't have time to get into this, but Jacob is a picture of wickedness, and Esau is a picture of weakness. You know, the only bad thing ever said in the Bible about Esau is that he sold his birthright. That wasn't a good thing. But, but there's a lot of bad stuff said about Jacob, and here's what really gets complicated. Right. Jacob's the God man in the story. But he's not a good man. Esau's a good man. But he's not a God man. Put that in your Bible, folks. We all know some saved people ain't very good. Getting born again by the grace of God will change your eternal destiny, but it won't make you good in 24 hours. You've been being bad for years, it's going to take a while for you to become good. Remember when Esau comes in and he's hungry from being out in the field? And he wants something to eat, and his brother's making some soup. Any man that's out hunting and got a brother making soup, I want to be with a guy out hunting, amen. <laughs> and you know what Jacob does when he finds out his brother's hungry? He says, Let's make a deal. Yeah. What kind of jerk is that? Mm-hmm. Give your brother some food. Jacob's always up to something. And he gets him to trade his birthright for a bowl of soup. Yeah. Now listen to me. You know what he is? Jacob's a picture of wickedness and Esau's a picture of weakness. Right. You know why young people, your parents won't let you hang around some people? Because wickedness always takes advantage of weakness. And some of you aren't strong enough yet to be hanging around people that are so wicked. I've got to be careful hanging around. Because I'm weak enough, sometimes wicked people will get me off track. Yes, sir. You better know the difference between your weaknesses and your wickedness. But let's keep going. You remember that he finds out his father wants to bless his brother Esau before he's going to bless him and wants to get him some venison. So Esau goes hunting and his mom and him concoct this scheme to kill a goat and to put the fur because his brother's got hairy arms on Jacob's arms and he goes into his father and his father can't believe he's got game killed this quick and prepared. But you know the whole deception. And he doesn't literally ask him but all the implication of the chapter when he comes before his father, his father wants to know who this is. Right. And what's he telling? My name is Esau. Yep. That was not his name. His name was Jacob. But you know why he said, my name is Esau? Because he wanted somebody else's blessing. Huh. 
wanted somebody else's blessing. And he had to lie and cheat to get it. Y'all remember what happens? He spends 21 years in Pendana Ram. Mm -hmm. He gets two wives, two concubines, and a whole house full of kids. 13 all total, 12 boys, one girl. And he's on his way back home. He's been commanded of God to leave Laban and to go back to his homeland. Esau finds out he's come. And Jacob finds out that he's got 300 men plus with him. Don't sound like a welcoming party to me. It sounds like a war party to me. Jacob's scared out of his ever living mind. Esau's going to get me back now. Esau's, Esau's about ready to let me have it for what I stole from him. You remember that night alongside the river, he has a wrestling match or something. And as we study our typologies in the Christophanies of the Old Testament, I believe it was none other brother Matt than Jesus himself he was wrestling with. And while he's wrestling there, the Bible says with that angel of the Lord, the angel says, you got to let me go. Right. And I love Jacob. He says, I ain't letting you go. Right. Except you bless me. Right. You got it. Don't miss this. He gets asked, preacher, the same question now a second time. Yeah. Who are you? Before he said, my name is Esau. But he's been through enough now. All the pride's over. All the tricks and all the connivance over. He has now come to a place of authenticity. And he says, My name is Jacob. And the angel of the Lord said, Not anymore, is it? Now your name is Israel. And as a prince, you now have power with men and power with God. You know what he got from the man? Can I tell you something? You may not know this morning. God's got enough blessings. He can spare one for my love and he can spare one for you. Amen. 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 That's good. As long as you want to be Brother Bob, all you can ever have is Brother Bob's That's blessings. Right. That's right. I don't want Bob's blessings. Amen. I want my blessings. Amen. Amen. Good. Amen. But how do I get my blessing, preacher? For one, you got to get humble. And admit that you may have originally had original blessings, but that all got messed up by original sin. And the way I get my blessing back is to get sin dealt with. Right. There you go. Amen. And to get back where Adam was and try to have a relationship exactly. yeah. with my creator. Amen. You gotta get humble. And then you gotta be authentic. I've spent this whole morning trying to build a case. God don't want you being me. Right. He, he wants you to be you. Amen. Two statements. No one can worship God for you. Right. That's right. And no one can worship God like you. That's good. That's good. He made you because he needed one just like you to serve him, to love him, and to worship him uniquely like only you can do it. No one can 
love, worship, and serve God for you or like you. I'm all done. I could go four or five other directions, but let me end with this. This is really sobering. How come you and I continue to let what's wrong with us keep us from worshiping Him? That's right. It's good. For what's right with Him. That's good. Well, I just don't feel like worshiping preacher. If I worship today, I'd be a hypocrite. No, if you worship today, you'd be obedient. Right. Where did we get this idea, preacher? We only have to worship him when we feel like it. We think it's hypocrisy. Well, you know, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed. I just don't feel like worship today. So what? So what? You know what I've discovered? Usually the best way out of a ditch is yep. to worship your way out. Good. He's blessed you. Would you stand with me? Why don't we bless him back this morning? Why don't we bless him back this morning? Hey, listen. You can't keep looking at blessings as stuff either. So well, I don't have as much money as someone else has, so I haven't been... No, no, no. You don't have cancer. Your kids aren't in jail. You can't just measure blessings by monetary values. I know some people that have never had two nickels rubbed together, and they've been blessed beyond compare. Hey, listen, the rich man isn't the man that's got more money. The rich man's the one who likes what he's got. I could go deeper and deeper. I won't go into that this morning, but how many would say this morning, preacher? I have been blessed. I've been blessed. I've been blessed. And I don't want to let what's wrong with me keep me from worshiping what's right with him. Why don't we spend a couple minutes this morning just, just praising him, just blessing his holy name, thanking him for how good he's been to you and me. Sis, just play songs.